Today's number is a little bit complicated. It's 2 to the power 13,466,917 minus 1. That means to get this number you need to multiply 2 by itself 13,466,917 times and once you've done that, subtract 1. Now, it doesn't sound like a particularly interesting number, but before you switch off, just listen to what one mathematician had to say about its size and how people reacted when its discovery was announced. You get a number that's 4,053,946 digits long. If you typed it out in standard sort of paperback novel form, this thing would run somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 pages of digits this absurdly large number we know for a fact is prime. Amongst the number theory community, we just lost our gear and went wild. The important thing is that this number is a prime number. We'll come back to the number itself in a minute, but to really appreciate it, we first need to understand the importance of prime numbers. Now, you might remember them from school. The primes are numbers that cannot be divided by any number except 1 and itself. So 2, 3, 5, 7 and 11 are all primes. But 15 is not a prime, because it can be divided by 3 and 5. So why are the primes so important? They're really the building blocks of all numbers. All numbers can be built out of multiplying prime numbers together. So in some sense you can say they're the atoms of arithmetic. In exactly the way that we define them, any number, for example that 6 being 2 times 3, breaks down to where 2 and 3 are both prime numbers. You can take any number and express it as a series of prime numbers all multiplied together. So many of the important properties or things that we might try and do with numbers depend on what their prime factors or their basic building blocks are. So primes are important. The problem is that nobody really understands them. In particular, nobody understands how they're distributed. Mathematician Marcus de Sotoy has just written a book called The Music of the Primes, all about the disorganised nature of prime numbers. Mathematics is a subject of patterns, and to have our building blocks, these prime numbers 2, 3, 5, 7, without any patterns at all, is somehow the biggest mathematical tease that we've got. I mean, but 2, 3, 5, 7 looks like um, just a series of odd numbers. That's true. I mean, the, the, one of the patterns is that all the primes are odd, except for the odd one out, the even prime 2. But as you start to count further and further, there just seems to be no way to predict when you get a prime. And that's what makes them so intriguing. In fact, when you look at a list of primes, they really look like numbers that have been chosen by the throwing of a dice, rather than any set pattern. And that's what's driven mathematicians for the last two centuries, is trying to find some explanation for how no nature chose the primes. So the primes are sprinkled unpredictably among the other numbers. In the hundred numbers before 10 million, there are around 10 primes, quite a high proportion. If you look at the hundred numbers after 10 million, you find there are only two. So this is a very strange phenomenon. It's really uh, an indication of randomness in the primes, that how could you produce a pattern which would produce so many before 10 million and so few after. One of the first mathematicians to try and unravel the mystery of the primes was Bernhard Riemann. In 1859 he presented a paper to the Berlin Academy entitled On the Number of Prime Numbers Less Than a Given Quantity. He made a guess about the distribution of the primes. It's become known as the Riemann hypothesis, but after 150 years of intensive research and exhaustive study, nobody has been able to prove whether it's true or false. 
Carl Saber is the author of Dr. Riemann's Zeros. He thought he had found a law which determined what they call the distribution of the prime numbers. That's to say, not necessarily predicting that a prime number would occur in a certain place, but a number that determined exactly how many there would be in any big interval of numbers. So using his hypothesis, if it were true, you could say between 10 billion and 11 billion there are a certain number of prime numbers, and it would be accurate. Now, we can't even do that at the moment. There are rules which we do know which give us a rough idea, but Riemann came up with a hypothesis which, if true, would enable us to be very specific about the distribution of the prime numbers, which would be a major step forward. How do mathematicians view the Riemann hypothesis? The most important unsolved problem in pure mathematics. And there are various reasons for this. One of them is because prime numbers are so special. Another one is that there's a whole infrastructure of hypotheses and ideas which... If the Riemann hypothesis were proved to be true, we would have a lot of new information about mathematics. The Riemann hypothesis about the distribution of primes has become the most important problem in mathematics. Indeed, the Clay Foundation has offered a million-dollar prize for its solution. It's a rich man's world. You're on Triple J Radio around Australia. And Sydney, a glorious sunny 31 degrees. 31, of course, 2 to the power of 5 minus 1. Not just a prime, but a merzine prime. And don't we love our merzine primes here in Australia? That was Adam Spencer, one of Australia's hottest DJs and a mathematician to boot. Now, a merzine prime, or a mersenne prime, is a special type of prime. For example, 5 is not a mersenne prime but seven is. Imagine the number seven, which we've already said is prime, as two cubed, which is two times two times two, that's eight, minus one. So seven is two to the power of three minus one. And in general, if the number two to the power of p, that's two, multiplied by itself p times, take away one, is a prime, and the number p itself in the power is a prime, these are called Merzine primes, after a French monk from the 1500s who first started looking at them. When you find a Merzine prime, for example, 31 is 2 to the power of 5, that's 32, minus 1. It's a Merzine prime, 2 to the power of 5, minus 1. Merzine primes are much easier to test for their primality than any random number would be. There's a beautifully simple theorem called the Lucas Lira test that only takes about six or seven lines to type out in computer code to check if a number, no matter how large it is, but 2 to the power of p minus 1, where p is prime, to check if that Merzine number is prime or not. Those who chose to go after these Merzine primes reaped incredible results. And why do mathematicians bother with finding Mersenne primes or any other type of prime? It's an intellectual challenge, but there is also a practical application. When data is sent across the internet, etc., to hide the data until, say, your credit card details reach the other end where you're buying your Rolling Stones concert tickets. While they're going across the web, you don't want someone to be able to hack in and read off your credit card. So that data is encrypted. It's put in code. One of the main coding formulas involves taking really large prime numbers, multiplying them together to get a larger number. The bigger the prime numbers you start with, the more difficult it would be for a hacker to undo the encryption process. So if I took two prime numbers that were both, say, 20 digits long and multiply them together, I'd get a number that's 40 or 41 digits in length. 
giving you that second number, there's no way in billions of calculations you could work out those first two massive primes. So encryption takes this third number, already knowing what the first two primes are, and challenges any would-be hacker to try and factorise some massive number into two still very large primes. It's a remarkably difficult process for the hacker to do. It's very easy for the original person who's encrypting data to shift information that way. In fact, encryption involves primes that are much bigger than 20 digits long. And there are some obsessive mathematicians who dedicate their brains to finding even bigger primes, world record primes. One of those mathematicians is Scott Karofsky, who established the great internet Mersenne Prime Search, otherwise known as GIMPs for short. It's basically kind of like trying to stick a flag into a new North Pole somewhere. Somebody's always pushing that boundary. What our software does is, is assign different uh, Mersenne candidate exponents to try, and it will automatically perform the calculations, and you're free to watch. The search works by lots of people working together on the Internet. First, the central GIMPS computer gives out free testing software. Next, it sends out candidate primes to different people who then test their batch on their own computers when they're idle. Everyone hopes that their program will find a new world record prime number. I have one running on every computer in the house. All the kids have it running. My wife has it running on her laptop. What our software does is essentially tells the operating system of the computer to use all the idle time available for the prime number crunching and uh, whenever something else needs to take precedent over that, it gets out of the way and the system performs completely normally. There are tens of thousands of people around the world testing candidate primes. It's a slow but exciting process. Sometime a month later, your computer comes back and says, yeah, sorry, you've missed out, or congratulations, you've discovered the world's biggest prime. There's massive cash on offer of people who discover these primes, and it's a great way to feel that you're part of an ongoing scientific search in the number theory community. A world record prime is known as a titanic prime, and somebody who finds one is known as a titan. The most recent titan is Michael Cameron, whose computer found the world's largest known prime number, which is 2 to the power 13,466,917 minus 1, the number we met at the beginning of the programme. When it was discovered in 2001, the mathematical community went wild. There were websites going off, people were throwing parties. Of course, there's a little test period after the person says, I think this is a prime, then they have to go away and let someone else confirm it. So there's that sort of nervous wait while the jury's out. But once the jury comes back and goes, guilty, you're a prime, whoa, chalk dusters were being thrown in the air around the world. Well, there's still an opportunity to make a discovery. It seemed that each new Mersenne prime was approximately in the order of twice the size of the previous one, which sort of suggests one ought to be due, but it's not clear exactly when that will be. In many ways, there's something cool and abstractly fascinating about having discovered your own perfect number, knowing that it was never ever seen before. It's kind of always been out there, but until you kind of dig it up and find it, it's not really real in some sense. And if you want to enter the race to find a new world record prime, just search the web for Great Internet Mersenne Prime Search, or just type in GIMPs. The good news is that it's a never-ending search. As Marcus de Soto explains, the ancient Greek mathematician Euclid proved that there are an infinite number of primes. Suppose you had a mathematical Mendeleev who came along and said, ha-ha, no, I've got 109 primes and you can build all other numbers out of these 109 primes. What Euclid said was, no, I can find, I guarantee you that there's an, a number which is prime which is not on your list. 
Take all the numbers that you've got, the 109 in your list, multiply them together, and then here was the act of genius on Euclid's part, add one to that number. Now this number that he's got is never divisible by any of the primes on Mendeleev's list, because when you divide that number by any uh, prime on his list, it always leaves remainder one. So it means, uh, but this number must be built out of primes. It isn't necessarily prime, this is a mistake that people often make. The number isn't necessarily prime, but there must be some other primes not on this mathematical Mendeleev's list which builds this number. And then when you find those primes, you could multiply all of the known primes that you've now got, add one, and that then proves that there's even more primes. That's right. The real first analytic uh, understanding of numbers. Mathematics is very much built on uh, one theorem after another, but this was f somehow the first real step. So there are an infinite number of prime numbers. That means there is a bigger prime out there, and you might find it. And once you've done that, here are two more prime problems waiting to be solved, courtesy of Ian Stewart of Warwick University. You find lots of primes which are separated by two, three and five, eleven and thirteen. There are some gigantic ones separated by two. Everyone believes that there are infinitely many of these twin pairs of primes. It's not known whether that's true or not. And the other one is the Goldbach conjecture, which is that any even number is, is two primes added up. So 22 is 11 plus 11. That's right. If you try this, you find you always seem to be able to get an answer. In fact, often there are lots of answers. But again, nobody can prove beyond any shadow of logical doubt that every number, no matter how gigantic, can be written as the sum of two primes. And if you're still looking for a challenge, then you could prove the notorious Riemann hypothesis and win a million dollars. Goodbye and good luck. Another Five Numbers was presented by Simon Singh. The producer was Adrian Washbourne. Manon Lescaut, Mimi, Tosca, Madame Butterfly, the slave girl Liu in Turandot. Puccini gave us a magnificent succession of broken-hearted, tragic women who've dominated the opera stages of the world ever since. Their creator fell in love with each of them in turn, and probably with each of the singers the roles were created for. Puccini's own life is a match for any opera plot, with more than enough love, passion and infidelity to fill any stage. Puccini is Radio 3's Composer of the Week, each morning this week at 9, over on BBC Radio 3, 90-93 FM. In a moment here on Radio 4 FM, return to Paris continue.